Hello, fellow watch-a-lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your host, Andrew. I'm a good friend, Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? You know, I'm great. Uh, Timing's a little weird. It feels like we're in the future, but also we're kind of in the past. Yeah, we're in a time warp. Yeah. So we are, we're talking about a thing that we mentioned last week, which is embargoed, and you're not allowed to know about it, but we get to talk about it. Now we just can't tell you, we just can't let you hear it till later. Earlier. Yeah. But it feels a little, it feels a little scandalous that we're going to talk about embargoed things. It is. (laughs) It is. It's pure scandal. (laughs) This is really dangerous. The things we're doing here. We are always playing a dangerous game. It's very much like uh, Back to the Future is what we're doing. We're just going, we're back and forth and adjusting things to benefit ourselves. But yeah, I'm really good. It's a little bit later than our normal recording time. Just a smidge. I had a long work day, so I'm getting just a little bit, but the edges are getting fuzzy. Mm. Yeah, the edges are getting fuzzy. Uh, Andrew, which I think should make for a fun episode. I am running the risk of going into my nighttime routine uh, where like, I'm usually pretty sleepy, even when I'm working until about midnight, then at midnight I power on. Uh, which is which is not great because it is just after midnight, so I might be powered on for the balance of the night. Um, but that's okay. I'll just be up. And hopefully, you know, some of what I'm drinking will help. Your circadian rhythms are. I'm, I'm fired up, man. I'm. Yeah. This is my. This is my. Like this is when I live. The sun's gone. It's cold. This is this is my element. You know, I just popped a. I just popped a caffeine gum, so I'm good for a solid ninety minutes. Starting now, I'm actually getting a little hyped up. I can feel my. <laughs> Well, let's well, let's do it. Let's let's not waste any more time because we have the absolute pleasure of being joined by the one and only CEO and co-founder of Christopher Ward, Mike France, who I don't know if you got tricked, like you you weren't told who you were meeting with, or you liked this enough to be willing to come back. I'm going to lean towards the ladder and you don't have to feel obligated to correct me uh but welcome <laughs> back mr mike france thank you guys uh i feel like i'm living life in the fast lane with you um <laughs> there you are at midnight just so. caffeine gum and crazy yeah. nights it's crazy stuff so uh, yeah but i'm uh, i'm um, eight hours ahead it seems so uh, i've just had my cheerios and uh, i'm feeling fine that's a good way to start the day. Some Cheerios and a glass of water. I mean, that's and and you get to delay going into the office. So exactly right, exactly right. All is good. So so operations at Christopher Ward, sort of as we are in a post lockdown world. What's your business? What's your day to day like these days? Are you in the office? Is your workforce in the office? What's what's the the day to day at Christopher Ward look like right now? Um, like many uh, businesses ever, we're um, we're operating on a hybrid basis at the moment. So for those people who are able to do some of their work from home, um, we're allowing them to work from home for two days a week, uh, three days in the office. Um, and um, it seems to be working reasonably well at the moment. I, I mean, I have a sense, I don't know if you guys have, but I have a sense that um, whilst everybody assumed um, during COVID that the, the working rhythms were going to be changed forevermore, 
I have a sort of a sneaking suspicion that there's a sort of a drift back uh, to more like we had uh, pre-2020. Um, uh, and I, I wouldn't be at all surprised that in two, three, four years, we're pretty much where we were. Um, but at the moment, I think it um, it suits everybody and it suits it suits us, certainly, that we, we, we have this sort of on for two or on for three, off for two uh, rhythm to our business. And what is very clear is that some people, including me, by the way, um, really benefit from having some quiet time. And I think it can lead to some more thoughtfulness, um, which is uh, which is to be applauded. Um, so I'm, I'm rather hoping that it doesn't revert back to exactly the way it was. But I do have uh, I do have my suspicions that um, that may well happen in time. I I think I think you're right on. I think uh, from what I've seen and and. I never got to work from home. I just didn't have a, I don't have a job that I could do that. But my wife did pure work from home and has done a hybrid. And it seems like she is far more productive when she's at home and schools are open. That's the, that's the big and yeah. right there. Yeah. When, when the kids are gone, she's far more productive because I, I remember working in offices and how much time I wasted not working and just hanging out with my coworkers. Uh, and that that quiet time, that thoughtfulness, I think I think there's a lot of value in that. And I hope that, um, I, I mean, I appreciate that you're seeing that as as the the leader of an organization and recognizing the value that comes from that. And um, I think I well, think we'll I tell you, yeah. I tell you one of one of the things that's occurred to me and that we might talk about. I've no idea, by the way, but uh, what we might talk about. But one of the things that I thought we might talk about is um, is watches and wonders, um, which is obviously I didn't go to clearly not invited um but um like everybody else i um i've drowned myself in the uh, in in the launches and the detail and the gossip that's come out of it and i have to say that i think um it was one of the better shows um, yeah in that it produced um a raft of more interesting watches than i think has necessarily been the case for some time and i was thinking about why this might be so and i do think that what what it might be to some extent about is that for the last two years i'm starved of these sorts of um, furs and shows um, and star and 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 with the changing pattern of life i think watch designers watch developers watch manufacturers have had a little more time to consider and i think a lot of the watches that came out showed a more considered side than sometimes the freneticism that we see of uh, these regular sort of watch furs and shows. And I, I hope it remains that way. I, I'm not so sure it will. But I do think that one of the upsides potentially of the last couple of years of lockdowns and all of that is that uh, as far as the watch industry is concerned, it's given a little more space for people to think about what they're doing and why they're doing what they're doing. And it may be that one of the fruits of that uh, was indeed watches and wonders. Um, just a thought. Yeah, no, I th I think it's right on. I I think y your your observation, at least you know, as you think through it logically, tracks really well. Right, we've had this kind of two year sort of uh, dearth of watch show, and so I think that there was some industry excitement about this mm -hmm. is our first chance to really drop some mics 
in this in this setting in this context uh and so i think that there was some hype for it but i think a couple of things culminated um one of those being as you mentioned the the thoughtfulness right i think these companies have had some time to sort of make good on promises of of three years past in a in a more methodical way than they normally do in the normal work in the normal cycle but also i think that there's um maybe uh maybe an increased level of thoughtfulness of watches right now i think the enthusiast uh has more say in the day-to-day watch brands business than they did two and a half, three years ago. You know, we were starting to see, in 2020, we were starting to see the big brands making what I would call enthusiast watches uh, where they really hadn't before. Um, And we're seeing it increasingly. You know, that was the thing about 2021 uh, that we marveled at many times was, you you know, companies like boulevard tiso tiso is the big one it actually that, it, that mm-hmm. comes to mind you know tiso is like hitting home runs uh in particular the prx but just yeah. the the way they're making watches that seem like they're made for watch people in, in a way that they yeah, weren't yeah. before so i think those two things um are crashing in, in a in a cool way you know the exception being rolex right who shows up to watches and wonders and just like <laughs> look at you've this. seen this before and you still like it <laughs> look at this thing i did yeah. left hand a lefty, drive a lefty yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's rock the boat with a lefty right? I mean, it's, it's a full 180 so i mean that's that's wow. something to be oh, said yeah. Like, wow yeah. <laughs> yeah well you know we're still going to talk about it because it's rolex right but yeah of course of course yeah. we, understand, we all understand <laughs> and yeah. you won't be able to buy it anyway no so. You no. can only talk. You can only talk about it. I'll never even see one in person. I think I no. can go a decade before I could even. They will never. Yeah. I don't think they'll ever make one. Yeah. <laughs> we it's, wouldn't know any different. It's back ordered. Yeah, that's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> the real conspiracy: Rolex doesn't exist. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. There's, Whoa. <laughs> there's something there. They stopped producing in 1994. So, um, well, I mean, since since we're on the topic, I. I'm wondering what your what your take is on that that two year mindfulness break that the watch industry has taken, and, and where you see where you see smaller brands being able to utilize that opportunity where everyone's kind of slowed slowed it down, become more mindful. It gave at least from our perspective, it gave smaller brands this opportunity to kind of become relevant when everyone's slowing down and looking really deeply at what they're doing and and how design is is <clears throat> is kind of the thing right now. We're not just churning out watches. Uh, you know, pre pre COVID. You're, everyone's releasing a watch, a two watches a month, and they're just churning them out. It's all production, all hitting the market, all wh- how much can we sell right now? And with the delays from everyone being locked down, from being sent home from work and having this opportunity to look at... Rolling and, blackouts in China. Yeah, I mean, just globally, everyone had to take a step back. What What do you see as the 
as the future of this because we've entered this I, I mean i'm almost a renaissance of design in mm. the post-covid era i i mean i think we're seeing really well thought out really cool stuff and mm. i'm wondering mm. how you see that long term playing out that's an interesting question and i i, I do agree with you i, th- I think the I hate the I hate the word actually, but the micro brands um, to to some extent have led the way here. Um, it's possibly easier to be a little braver um, mm-hmm. when you're um, when you're new, when you're fresh. Um, but I do think what's happened in the last say ten years um, is that. Um, we, as we all know, many, many, many micro brands have have risen, and many have fallen. More have fallen. Of, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the, the the stats are frightening in terms of uh, the numbers who uh, have uh, have kickstarted literally uh, into life and then uh, fallen after the first uh, the first hurdle. But the ones that get through, I think, um, have 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 had an impact uh, on the bigger brands. Um, in that they have clearly been taking share. Uh, and there's nothing like um, the P&L to, uh, to wake people up. <laughs> and uh, um, I think there's no question that, um, you know, if we take just uh, one element of, of design, which I think is much more prevalent in watches now than it was even five years ago, the use of colour. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen even, even, even Rolex, Mm-hmm. Um, have, have, have you know surprised us all um, with their use of color last year? I think it was with the OPs, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Um, uh, you know, we've seen Omega go that way. We've seen Oris go that way. Uh, and I Zin think just Watson, released these five five sixes. Yeah, they, yeah. They did a whole yeah I thought they were great. Mm-hmm. I think they're great actually. There's only like two hundred of them they made, but they look amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was slightly slightly annoyed in that we will be um, we'll be releasing a. Uh, 36 millimeter version of our Sealander um, later this year in the in the sort of um, summer period August, and almost identical colours we've gone with. Um, we've been oh. working, with <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've, uh, and they were they were they were in the can already. Um, you've got a mole. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, exactly. So uh, you're you're comfortable so was, you're comfortable airing that right now. We don't have to go back and and edit that do you yeah no no okay. no 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 that's, that's a little uh, that's a little scoop for you guys um, i i've been i've been saying so i i got the 63 on release when 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 we got our embargoed press release for it i said i'm buying yeah. that watch i bought this watch and i have been lamenting a c36 since then i i i was like we <laughs> this right? needs we need a 36 of this and you saying that just gave me butterflies I'm, there you go. I, mean, so, I haven't yeah, even seen so. the release, and I'm buying it. Yeah, watch out! Watch out for um, the plan is uh, I think August, but um, oh. but in the we'll same see. colorway. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no it's okay. But so uh, so uh, so color, you know, has um, has um, has played a big role. And if we're talking about um, the roots of some of this, and some of the the smaller brands that I think have done brilliant jobs here, there's um, there's a British brand um, called Studio Underdog. Which I don't know if you guys are familiar with, and uh, Richard Bank, who is the, the young uh, CEO and 
founder. It's worth checking them out. They're a member of the Alliance, which you know that Roger Smith and I founded uh, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, he's really doing something some adventure, really adventurous stuff with color. He introduced the sort of watermelon colors right. that okay. others have t- taken up, but it came from, it was spawned by him. And so I think um, even in terms of color, there's a, there's a, there's a bravery that, um, and, a, and a, an adventurousness and an understanding of color uh, that comes of um, people being closer to, um, yes, fashion to some extent, but design um, and fashion are often, things that merge anyway sure. um, so that's one route i think and i think i think you will see it's it's very interesting isn't it the way green has established itself not as a, a color that would float into um, our world and float out but is now sort of um, the new blue as it were yeah um, and i think we're going to see you know much more interesting colors what you know salmon has become sort of de rigueur for you know mm-hmm. the uh, the oris pro pilot um, which is gorgeous the, yeah the caliber 400 that they released um at watches wonders that the salmon oh, you know just just delightful so and then i think the other the other element is um back to your point about um thoughtfulness and people um, having time to think we have um we have long thought uh, or been influenced by um various elements of architecture whether it be automotive architecture and increasingly, um, all types of architecture. And I do think that um, um, we're seeing a little more of that coming through in other brands. Um, we are very conscious of it ourselves and keep trying to um, push the barriers of it. Um, and I do think that people are, be- you know, the sculpting of watches, the case is no longer. Um, always going to have to just be slab sided to save money i think people are beginning to understand that the 360 degreeness of a watch um is 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 very important and um and that that la- the lines of watches um play a, a really important role in one's appreciation um of a, of, of a timepiece and i think there's going to be more and more of that i think and and i think it's it's Price is always important, but I think people, and there's a greater understanding that um, you know, design plus quality divided by price equals value. And uh, you can play those, you need a balanced equation, but you can play those things at different levels. If your design is of a substantive quality, it'll, it'll, it'll mean that your price can be a bit higher, but yet still deliver um a fantastic value to the customer at the end of the day so i think we're just becoming all a bit more sophisticated around this sort of stuff and, uh, and it may be as we say that the, the last couple of years have um have given a little more time for people to think about some of these things and let's hope that they continue because i think um you know these are good trends and trends that can only benefit uh, this marvelous industry that we're all involved with you you know you get the idea that some of these uh, you know, you know, I, I won't, I won't characterize them uh, in any sort of, uh, in any sort of design sense. But, but you know, like the micro brands from 2008 to maybe 2015, right? You see a lot of designs that appear to be 
uh, designs that kind of stopped at the 2D render, the top-down 2D render stage, right? Mm -hmm. They they established yeah. a beautiful dial. They established some interesting textures. They they got the lug dimensions roughly correct and proportional. And then you look at the side and you're like, what is that? Even watches from brands that we now talk about in very high regard, even perhaps Christopher Ward in some ways, right? You know, Christopher Ward with its light catcher case, I think is doing more than any other brand I can think of in terms of uh, that three-dimensional case mm -hmm. design, but that's not always been the case, right? That's that's something that that's new to your company, relatively speaking. So, yeah, I I, I think you nailed it. You said I want to ask you about something because you said a word that I don't or a phrase that I don't think we've ever heard on this show before, and I think it's an important phrase uh, in in what we talk about. Uh, although maybe it feels a little yucky, but you said profit and loss, and, and you said that you said that phrase right after we discussed you know the the kickstarter brands rising and falling and i wonder i've got some theories about this um but i wonder you know not not to say you you should be advising young business businessmen or whatever but what role do you think that plays in terms of a brand's likely success you know we we want to say if a brand has the right design or perhaps the right person or the right marketing that they'll be successful but what we don't talk about is, is the brand capitalized? Uh, is the Kickstarter model flawed from the very beginning? The answer is yes, absolutely. But how, how much and can you get past that? And what does it take to get past that? Ooh, um, it's quite a big question. Um, I like you. <laughs> it's a very compound. I do think the Kickstarter model is, uh, is, is very flawed. Um, um, what we know is the barriers to entry of getting into watches um, is quite low. Um, and so you can, even with a good idea, design, even just a good design idea, you can get into making watches. Um, that's lot, there's turnkey operations. There are many brands that are doing this. Um, they're, they, they're, they're, they're essentially outsourcing everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, other than other than maybe their yeah, other than maybe their their own uh, eye or their own design idea, mm -hmm. um, and that's my big fear for the industry. In that, um, what makes a I mean, there are many things that make um, a company a good company. I mean, we would like to think we are a good company. We want to be a great company. We're not a great company. Um, uh, and how do you define great? Well, you know, Jim Collins, um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Jim Collins. Um, he wrote uh, several seminal books about um, this sort of stuff. Um, Good to Great is, is mm -hmm. possibly his most, um, most well-known. I'm a big fan of Jim Collins. And um, largely because, uh, unlike many management gurus, his... Um, his philosophy is uh, deeply empir empirically sound. Um, so to to create good to great, for instance, he spent, I think it was five or six years, he assembled 25 or more, 30 or more Stanford graduates. Yeah. Uh, you know, divided them up into groups of five or six and had them pour through, you know, literally libraries of data that's particularly 
um, usually <laughs> particularly accessible in, in, in places like the United States, for instance, um, of company data to determine what it was that great companies and great companies were not talking about great flash in the pan companies, we're talking about companies who have delivered incredible results over a long period of time, you know, blue, generation. Blue chips. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, these are the yeah, blue, solid blue chips over time. And he defined the number of things that, um, um, that in his view, that the evidence pointed towards um, as to why um, companies went from being good to being great. And great was defined as, you know, having you know, seven or eight times the average return to its shareholders over a long period of time than the than the average company in, in, in the Fortune 500. So really empirically sound stuff. And, um, you know, he defined a number of these things that made a company great. And um, perhaps uh, the style of leadership was was one of them, mm-hmm. which is interesting. That's, that's a whole different topic. The other thing, right at the core of this, is something that he called um, uh, the hedgehog concept. <laughs> Um, and the hedgehog concept is, is based on, I think it's a Greek myth, um, where the, um, the fox versus the hedgehog, you know, the canny, cunning fox, always looking for um, you know, different tactics to catch the hedgehog. The angle, you know, right. Always looking for new angles, always trying different things. Um, the hedgehog, of course, only knew one thing. Yeah. but it did it brilliantly well. And so whenever threatened by the fox, it stayed still, put out its porcupines, and the fox never got it. Yeah? Yeah. So, and therefore, one of the, one of the things I think um, companies that aspire to be great companies need to, and this is what he said they needed to do as well, not me, um, but I buy into this, is know what your one thing is as a company um, and that if you can aspire to be the best in the world at that one thing, whatever that one thing is, then you've got a real chance of becoming a great company. And so <clears throat> I think many, many, many business, it applies to all business, but in the watch industry, I think it's finding, trying to find something that you are truly the best at um, in the world, better than all of your competition. And if you have that ambition and that aspiration, some and you create a great company, then you're going to you're going to stand the test of time. And I'd like to think that um, you know we may enter a period where there could be um, there could be fewer um, brands, watch brands around. I think there will be over time. I think I yeah. think we have there are like 500 Swiss watch brands. Right. <laughs> right. does the world really need 500 i don't know maybe it does um but i think there may be fewer but i think um they will they hopefully will be better stronger and more vibrant greater businesses greater brands producing greater products yeah so um, and i think the um, i think um, design is an aspect uh, of that journey to greatness but it's only one aspect but it's a very important aspect. And I do think it's good to see that um, you know, there is more design, it all appears to be more design and thought going into the design of watches these days than perhaps at any time for, for, for several years. 
and I'd say that for a for a consumer good company, I mean for a for a you know a watch company to decide what the one thing you're going to be greatest at would be exceptionally challenging because you have to balance you you have to balance being just from the absolute basics of are we going to have the best finished watches at this available price point? Are we going to use the best movements? Are we going to use proprietary movements? I mean, there's no one thing that anyone's looking for. And one of the things that that I'm wondering is, is how are you leading your organization to balance that following trends of the watch industry? Because you have to follow the trends of the industry with leading the trends with with being on that cutting edge and where's how do you balance that and i th- i think you're you're doing it really well when we see it in the tide we see it when you're in your use of bronze and i'm wondering what your thought process is to balance following trends against being on the cutting edge of these trends yeah it is a challenge I know. Um, nobody said it was going to be easy did they yeah, no. um, <laughs> i sure hope they didn't they lied <laughs> And it, they do, and it shouldn't be easy. Um, and you know, I, you know, I think it's Malcolm Gladwell, isn't it? Who talks about you know putting in the ten thousand hours. Right. I mean, you, you've got, you've got to work at stuff. You can't just. Uh, there are very few overnight successes, and Scotty Scheffler um, is, is almost one of them. Um, Man, what a, what a win, what, right? What, what a win! I mean, <laughs> wow. Um, uh, and by the way, he is not twenty-five. I mean, there's, there's dyslexia going on there. I'm sure he's 52. <laughs> um, there's, there's, there's age dyslexia. He cannot be 25. What a performance. Um, but uh, <laughs> that aside, um, yeah, this, this trying to find this balance and trying to focus on what you're good at. And we, we, I, don't, I say I don't think we're there yet. And many companies, many of these companies established as great companies, took many years to really work out what it is they're, they're great at. And it's a combination of what you're passionate. The hedgehog concept is a combination of what you're passionate about, knowing that, um, what you can be best at, and what your economic, economic engine driver is, mm-hmm. and then simplifying that down. Yeah. So, you know, the hardest thing in the world is to take complex things and make them simple. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, what, um, that's what we in our own small way at Chris of Ward, try to do and, and some, sometimes achieve it many times then. Um, but I suppose we, we, have a, we have a fundamental view that, um, and it's a pretty, it's not, this is not revolution. There is very little that's revolutionary, certainly my thinking, but, um, but you have to be connected with the customer. In, 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 in absolute terms. And that me, and so we have developed a view that, um, and we were talking as a board about it um, a couple of weeks ago at an offsite we had, where we, we felt that we have, as a business, a duty of care um, for our customer. And that can manifest itself in different ways. It means that we have a duty of care and responsibility to really work at creating outstanding products not just good products but outstanding products and taking the care and the time and the attention to look after the details and i think you know it's not a surprise that if you're in the watch industry you know here we are working in an industry that uh, still today i think um, you know produces 
you know, the most the, the smallest precision engineering that man has ever created. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're not interested in the details, you're going to end up in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so this attention to detail um, and the details is something that we we strive. We at Christopher Ward, the team here at Christopher Ward, strive to deliver in every single part of the organization, whether it's the way the guys in customer services answer the phone to a customer, to the way we greet someone at the door of one Park Street, to is that case design as good as it can be? Yeah. Um, and it's those it's caring, it's that duty of care that I I I I think has can have if it's consistent over time uh, and is believed in by the people in an organization or certainly you know our organization can make a fundamental difference and may ultimately lead us to being a great company which i as i say i don't think any of us believe we are today now you know we rehearsed this segue and i and you nailed it uh so so good on you uh just one dry run right yeah that's yeah it. that was good mike uh so because that's a great time for us to talk about the newest Christopher Orwell, and, and, and hold on, because I, I, I'm going to, separate from from Mike's appearance today, I'm going to humble brag just on Andrew and I a little bit. Maybe not even humble brag, I'll just brag. We are, th- this is the morning of the 21st, if you're listening to this when you should be listening to this, which means this watch has been released in the United States anyway for just, uh, or announced for just a matter of hours. This is going to be officially unveiled this weekend as you're listening to this at at wind up in san francisco which i will be at i will not be i'll be there and so i'm gonna i'm gonna to run in you're gonna get to see one so so this we're sort of on the cutting edge the bleeding edge of this release oh i didn't see one mr france holding one in his hands right now so this is the christopher ward the C65 Aquitaine, which is your newest watch, uh, a bit of a, a a bit of a redefinition for the C65 line, traditionally or or historically, kind of lumped in with your Trident divers, your pro divers. This has been sort of a second pro diver. You've really reimagined this line to be its own thing, a completely discreet very highly specced, but also more of a historical approach to the dive watch. Um, we've got all the details here. Uh, yeah. and, and so we could talk details. I'm certain we could talk details for about an hour and a half to two hours. We're, we're going to talk about this for a little bit less time than that. But can you just sort of walk us through what this is? I think this is really cool. Yeah. I, I think... The watches are watches, right? So how cool can a watch be? I think in terms of the direction that this signals for Christopher Ward, some of the decisions you've made, uh, some of the the details, I think this is really interesting. But why don't you just tell us generally, what Uh, is uh, this watch? What is this Aquitaine? (laughs) Well, I think this Aquitaine is the most beautiful watch we have ever created. Um, and I'm not alone in thinking that. If I had a a pound or a dollar for every time those who've seen it already, I, people in the business essentially, 
Go with so, pounds. Go with mm-hmm. pounds. Still, I was going to say, hang on, yeah. hang, use pounds. Yeah, at the current, yeah, um, they um, then I'd be pretty rich because more people have said this is their favorite Chris Ford watch ever than than have ever said it about at any previous launch you've ever had. And I, I think um, its genesis was, um, as you say, the C sixty five Trident mark one was a really successful watch for us and it was coming up to that time when um we would be looking to get into the mark ii and um as is our want um you know the brief to the design team um was you know go away and um (laughs) think about the trident mark ii and they came back as they would always um with uh, improvements in every single aspect of the watch um but possibly my curmudgeonly curmudgeonliness um when i and they they created some great designs great mark tried mark two designs it has to be said um but i i i after a lot of the hard work um I, i rejected it um because it didn't feel that we'd moved the envelope far enough, that um, it was a, a, an exceptional Mark II version. But actually what we were looking to do was to create, and this is sounds a bit corporate, this stuff, but a, another platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the, the Trident platform, the contemporary dive watch platform is huge for us. The Sealander, which we launched last year, is now even bigger than the Trident. Yeah. It's, it's been incredible. This I wanted to be the third big platform, and we have a, a fourth one that we'll bring out next May, um, which we're working on at the moment. Um, and a Mark II version just wasn't cutting it. So it was back to the drawing board and to their absolute eternal credit. And back to the drawing board really does mean back to the drawing board. You know, it's like, go away. You know, the old bugger won't, uh, you know, he's rejected this. Um, you know, um, you know, we better, we better, we better, we better go back and uh, re- rethink and reimagine. And that's exactly what they did. And 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 as often um, with uh, with any design, but with with watch design, you you you're looking for historical reference points. And what they did was was <clears throat> go back to the very early and the. The, the origins of the, the modern dive watch. And, you know, that's around the early 50s, 52, 53. Uh, Blank Pond and Rolex, you know, fight it out, don't they, amongst themselves as to which was first Submariner or the 50,000. But, um, you know, <clears throat> the world uh, in dive watches is largely split between those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that's um, right. We wanted, and the guys came back to the table having thought about that origin, having thought about um, the 50 Fathoms, having then thought about what we were really beginning to become quite expert at, um, I have to say, uh, which is sapphire, the use of sapphire crystal in watches. Um, you know, we, we, it, it, it's not an easy um, substance to, to work with often. It's expensive, and many people shy away from it because of its difficulty and its cost. But it has a beauty um, if worked well mm-hmm. and worked well into design. 
that is, I mean, hard to replicate with any other material. And so we ended up wanting to have the hero of this watch being the sapphire bezel, which, you know, resonates a little towards the 50 fathoms, it has to be said, although I think the original 50 fathoms um, had a Bakelite sure. um, insert, didn't it? But then recent, more recent times, you know, they've, they've moved towards the sapphire bezel, which is very unusual, you know? Um, um, Superior to Bakelite in many regards, uh, yeah, but much harder absolutely. to do. But much harder to do, and much more, much superior in many regards to ceramic, which is obviously the default option for all of us, um, uh, or most of us, um, in terms of um, dive watches. And you know, ceramic works brilliantly well. Um, but it's easy. So, you know, I'm, but it's relatively easy. Yeah. It's also relatively limited. It's it's quite limited in terms of the color that you can. There are very few colors in you, you know that, that are available in ceramic. Yeah, and you have yeah. to be Rolex to invest in it. You can afford to invest huge sums of money in specific ceramic colors. Mm -hmm. Whereas you'll notice if you have noticed how limited color is in most people's dive collection ranges where they're using ceramic inserts in their bezel. Nobody's doing a, a blue red ceramic transition except for Rolex because it is outrageously expensive and, and proprietary <laughs> and proprietary. Yeah. And Sapphire takes color beautifully. It gives you unlimited access to color, which is something that we found really interesting. It's also incredibly tough. I mean, if you take the Mohs scale, which is a, you know, a mm -hmm. scale of hardness. hardness scale, yeah. yeah. You know, so, uh, sapphire is up there at nine, whereas, you know, watch ceramics are anywhere between six and seven. So if and, you and, and more brittle than sapphire, too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Less it, hard, it, more brittle. Exactly right. But it's its beauty that was the real attraction. And so the guys have created, um, you know, Adrian, Will, um, and York particularly, have created a beautiful watch where the hero of the watch is the sapphire bezel, beautifully curved sapphire bezel, um, which is then accentuated by a, a, a really um, doubly accentuated domed crystal. Um, so you've got this sort of well, I mean, it's astonishingly well-proportioned watch of curves, um, of beautiful materials, which then allow us to add really wonderful coloring into it. And we've, we're introducing at the start of the, the launch, um, really three colors, a, a sort of a, what we're calling marine blue, which is a new blue for us, a richer blue, um, a seagrass, which is a green shade. We're very on trend, aren't we? Um, <laughs> and, and, something we're calling white sand, which others might call ecru or off-white or whatever, or you know, even ivory-esque. Um, and we're in some options, we're mixing the blue and the green with the white sand. Uh, and it's, it's, so it's an adventure for us in color. Um, it's a true adventure for us in the use of sapphire within the bezel and the cohesiveness of the design. There's some lovely signature for those who, who, who follow our design 
tropes, if you will. Um, you know, this 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 effort to in the past seven years to really, really hone a signature look of Christopher Ward. There are things that people will recognize, like our, our default position for the date window is now always at six o'clock. Um, and so it is on the Sealander and so it is on the Aquitaine. Um, Aquitaine, by the way, because um, Jacques-Yves Cousteau uh, was very heavily involved in the Blanc 50 Fathoms and um, Aquitaine, is, uh, which is the region of southwest France, was his birthplace. Yeah. So right. he, then, he, he then went to live um, in the States for a while before returning to Europe. But, um, so, and, and Aquitaine is just a beautiful word. It has water at it, aqui in front of it. <laughs> so very relevant. Um, but it's, it's, it's one of those beauteous words, I think. And words are important. Yeah. Um, so... I think we have a really the most cohesive design offer, um, arguably that we've ever put together, and I, 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 I really, really can't wait for the um, the great public to um, great watch public to see this watch in, in, in the metal. And as you rightly say, the first opportunity for that to happen is um, at um, Warren Wayans Wind Up Fair in San Francisco, and I'll be there um, this weekend. Um, this, yeah, weekend. This, this weekend this yeah. weekend <laughs> this weekend uh, as soon as i as soon as i have finished um finished this podcast i'm getting on a plane and flying to san francisco <laughs> to, be there, to be there in time roughly um, 24 hours from now <laughs> yeah <laughs> so well, we'll have a chance to, we'll have a chance to meet in person yeah i i'm looking forward to that mike uh, so, so you'd be forgiven, I think, for looking at this case and thinking, okay, this is a sapphire bezel on a light catcher case on a C63 case, perhaps, right? Uh, looking at C63 right no, now. It's a, it's a, C6, a very specific C65 version of the light. So, so let's talk about it because because I've got some details here, but but and and I can bring some things up if you miss them. This is a test, by the way, and you are being graded. We're actually sending this to Jorg after we're done to see if you missed anything. <laughs> Uh, but to talk us through talk us through the case because this is, uh, you, you know, I, I think from pictures you can never tell these things from photographs. But um, you, you know, yeah. reading through the things you've done here, I want to know more about this. Well, it, it's again, it's 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 a version of our light capture case, which you're you're very familiar with, um, uh, which is that faceted um, case where we're careful with the the polished and the brushed edges to to. The aim is to always make the watch look um, and sit as low as possible whilst offering sort of, um, you know, light bouncing off it at various angles. We, we've we've um, referred to this, uh, and, and, and I'll say we referred to this lovingly as watch spanks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll take that. <laughs> I, I think um, <laughs> it's it's complimentary. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, subtle changes matter, don't they? And so um, um, we've reduced the lug width by a millimeter here. Um, it doesn't sound a lot, but it actually matters. The lug to lug uh, length is, um, I think, forty. God, I can't remember. Forty-six point six, something like that. Right. Um, which is from your perfect. materials, 46.68, which, which is an oddly specific number, which yeah, is it, a it, good sign. Absolutely. Yeah. But it, it is, it is well 
thought through um, because we think it um, it makes the watch at 41 millimeter diameter sit almost perfectly on 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 even a small wrist. Um, so the the, the lug to lug was really important in in conceptualization of this watch. Um, its height is um, the watch height is about is, is exactly 12.45 across all three of the the models. We're launching an automatic with a Solita um, SW200. We're launching a GMT with the Solita 330-2, which we were the first to introduce, if you remember, this time last year. Mm -hmm. And then a bronze, um, marine blue bronze um, at launch. There'll be another one coming a little later, um, um, which is a chronometer. So it's an SW200 chronometer, so minus six plus six in terms of its, um, its, its regulation. Um, so those three form the collection all at 12.45 millimeters in height, um, all with um, the light catcher case. Um, you, you've just heard a ding from my email. It, it's too late for me to be getting emails. I will say it is an email from Rosie Blackhead uh, <laughs> at Christopher Ward. So thank you. She's making an appearance. She doesn't know it. Uh, so I, I will say the C63, I think Mike is a, is a lovely watch. You know, watch clicker has been complimentary of that watch. I think we collectively own two of them of the C63s. Uh, I don't own one and I'll tell you why I don't know that we got to look, we got to look, I don't own one. And I'll tell you why I don't love the bracelet on the C63. I'm a bracelet. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm a bracelet guy. And I think the C63 bracelet is too chunky. It doesn't taper enough. I'm. It, I, it does grow on you, though. I I understand that there's been a change made here, and it's the one I'm, uh, it's, I'm singularly uh, most excited about. And I can well, cover it. <laughs> we are we um we've re-engineered the bracelet, and we've re-engineered it in two ways. And probably um, the most asked for thing about our bracelets, which. Honestly, I think are, um, are, are excellent bracelets. Um, but the most asked for thing of anything across any aspect of watches since 2005 and the launch of our first watches, will you please, uh, instead of um, having pins, use screws? Gosh, yeah? yes, please. I, I destroyed a link on my bracelet. <laughs> I While I was hammering... <laughs> this pin out i was like i should have just paid the money to get this thing sized that's because you're gash handed yeah i know that this is an andrew problem nothing, nothing to do with the design of the, no the it was it's a me thing but you know i a couple no, no. beers deep you can't size these bracelets well we we it's taken a while um it's taken us a while, taken us a while but we have listened eventually and the aquitaine um is the first of our watches and all of our watches um, over the next uh, period of time will be introduced with um, with um, screws, not pins. There's a second advancement coming further down, which I'm not going to declare right now, but there'll only be us and Rolex that do it. And that's one of the, it's one of the things I'm most proud of, of the team, because 
it was really hard for them to to get this done and they were told no it can't be done no it can't be done no it can't be done and it's been done i can't even tell you what it is that's terrible <laughs> that's exciting <laughs> no it, that's it just, that's good i, I like the tease i, I want to bring you back eventually just to talk about the balance of engineering and design and i wish we could do that today but we just do not have enough time because that's such a in him. Well, well, what I've just described is what yeah. the engineers and nerds, yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's because it, it's invisible, yeah, and only, only, literally, only we and the manufacturer will know, but it has a really important role to play in the long-term success of a bracelet, and only Rolex have cracked it. I mean, I'm a, you know, whatever else anybody says about Rolex. Um, you know their 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 attention to the engineering details is par excellence. Yeah. Yeah. And they we aspire. We we're not there. You know, <laughs> but we aspire. It's like the it's like our our fixation with with bezel clicks. You know. Oh. Um, that that's because they do it better than anybody else, and we must aspire to be the best at it. Um, and we we did go around literally every single. We we went around dozens of shots in in london and checking every single bezel click of every competitor reference competitor we've got and we now know that ours is the second best out there <laughs> which which is killing us because we've got to we've got to get it to be better as at least as good at rolexes but it's not but we're engineering the bracelet um to be equal to theirs and better than anybody else's this is the the the, the screw um, Wins is the first um, the screw links is the first part of that change. The second part of the change, which is more to your point, Everett, in terms of the Aquitaine, is that the tapering comes down to sixteen point five mil. Yes, please. Um, so yes, please. So, so real, and it's a, it's a it's a beautifully elegant watch, and it deserved, it needed that elegance, that refinement of a sixteen and a half millimeter taper. So you'll be pleased about that. Um, Extremely pleased. I just even on paper, I'm like, this is it. So, so one question about one question about your about your write up. I don't know. You, you know, these things get unveiled, and everybody's gonna gonna have a write up on this. Uh, so, so we'll be in we'll be in the slew of people talking about these things. I'm hoping we'll be the first podcast, but maybe you've got stuff scheduled between now and then. Who knows? But there's one question from the materials that I was like, eh. Uh, there is an aspect to this watch. It has to do with the crown, uh, and it has to do with uh, a, a safety mechanism. And you've referred to it as a dry marshal, which is a term I've not heard before. Uh, made it up. That's because you made it up. That's I had a feeling. So tell me, trademark. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hadn't heard of it before. <laughs> So, um, it's it's a it's a simple thing. Is it's a dive watch. I mean, um, uh, we've increased the ATM rating. So this this watch, uh, the Mark, the Trident Mark One, uh, as opposed to the C65 Aquitaine, um, was good to 150 meters. Uh, we've improved that to 200 meters on all of the, all of these watches. This is a proper technical dive watch. I mean, sure. it's not um, it's no slouch. Um, it's a screw down crown. But uh, as a diver, and I'm, I'm a diver, um, not that I would ever 
honestly use a watch <laughs> um, to dive. I wear I wear it on my uh, on my right wrist, my watch uh, when I'm diving. In my the computer. the right wrist, yeah. No, that's the yeah, the, uh, the proper uh, wrist to wear a watch on. <laughs> yeah, no, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> let's, not, let's not go there, guy. <laughs> let's not even enter that. Um, so on my left wrist will be um, on my left wrist, which is my right wrist, uh, will be my dive computer when I'm diving. Um, but um, as a nod to the diving fraternity and the fact that this is a dive watch, what uh, what we've done is we've put a, a bright red um, indicator underneath the crown. So if you've accidentally left it open, the, the red will catch your eye. Yeah. I so see. you know to close it. Is it is so it loomed too or just red? Sorry. Is it loomed too or just red? It's just red. Okay. Yeah, it's just red. Um, so um, uh, that that may be for a uh, uh, next. Yeah, send that send that information to York. You're you're writing it Loom, down. Loomed loomed dry Marshall. Um, yeah. There you go. I'm Sorry, I, I'm a perpetual complainer. That's something I'm known for. <laughs> no, 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 that, that, that's that's good stuff. I like that. So so that's uh, so so whether you're uh, washing the dishes um, or diving uh, to. Uh, 25 meters that's uh that's a little warning for you that you uh, you're gonna have, get have water ingress unless you quickly um, screw down your crown abort so so we've got three models we've got our steel automatic as you said sw uh 200-1 that's going to come in at 1075 so these are a little bit more than i think our typical christopher ward entries which is i'm sure indicative of the quality and we know that your guys margin models are pretty much locked into stone so what that means is you're getting a more expensive watch materials cost etc this is a nicer watch so 1075 for the entry level steel automatic 1350 for the steel GMT, 1325 for the bronze, uh, which is a COSC 200-1 uh, Salita movement. These are 200 meters, sapphire case back. We've got the new six o'clock date. We've got a brand new box crystal, sapphire crystal, domed sapphire bezel, um, tapered bracelets, screw links, quick release, of course, the dry marshal, not loomed, major complaint. Yeah, uh, that's a problem. 41 millimeters, 12 and a half ish, 12.45, I think, according to our friend Mike France. 44, 46.68 long. Anything else we need to say about this watch right now before we transition, Mike? Um, only, only that um, even the details of the, uh, the indexes, the polishing of the facets of the indexes and the hands has been carefully improved. Uh, there's an improved luminescence. Um, and, and one thing you haven't mentioned, this is the launch of our swoosh only moment. So this is a big moment for Chris Ford because as you will notice from this watch, and as hopefully you've seen in the imagery, um, the twin flags logo yeah. is, the only lo is the only logo on the dial. Oh yeah, and and that was unveiled a few a few years ago for your sort of racing inspired mm -hmm. watches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the story is an interesting one because everybody gets very animated about our logos, don't they? Um, <laughs> when, when we when we introduced um, um, our new 
logo designs um, back in 2016. Back in 2015, when we were working with the design agency on the new logo, our intention then had been to go twin flags only, um, which we love. I mean, every, everybody loves the twin flags logo. It stands for Britain and Switzerland. It's that Anglo-Swiss thing. And it's very distinctive. And everybody loves it. We put the name on at nine o'clock, um, the left hand, left alignment, nine o'clock, uh, because our lawyers said, look, you'll win a case, but the litigious Swiss watch industry and one, um, one, one large group in particular who employs 38 law firms worldwide to litigate against anybody who moves <coughs> in any way, shape or form, no names, no pactual, they may decide that your use of a flag uh, is in contravention of their, um, of their, their copyright. It isn't, but you may well end up um, being in a long, expensive court battle, which you probably almost certainly will win. But do you want to be tied up in that forevermore? No. For so for a hundred years, you would be tied up in a legal battle. Years. Yeah, and and a so, hundred million dollars. Yeah. So their advice was to put the name and the twin flags on. And everybody, everybody loved that, right? Well, yeah, everybody. <laughs> I, I, and mother, I, for one, mother, love. My mother did. Yeah. <laughs> my, my mother loved it. <laughs> and I loved it. And I still love it. Um, but um, the, um, and therefore acquire at least five years of use of the twin flags. And if after that time, nobody's raised it, it's yours. Yeah. And so um, we took the advice and that anniversary is up. And now I'm pleased to say we're able to do what we wanted to do back in 2016, which is go twin flags only. So yeah. this is our swoosh, this is our swoosh only moment. You, well, you know, it's congratulations. Amazing. I will always appreciate the Christopher Ward name at the 12 o'clock of my C63. Uh, well, and so you should, and so will I. And, and by the way, Christopher Ward will always be on the watch. Um, it will always be written either into the rotor or into the uh, case back because Ooh, this is an rotor. exhibition case back. Uh, all of the Aquitaines are, are exhibition case back. Um, it's uh, it's engraved onto the rotor. So oh, man, um, we're very proud of the name. <laughs> but it, it's also back to the signature of the 12 o'clock date wheel mm -hmm. balancing with the 12 o'clock um, twin flags is something we've been working towards as followers of the brand will be aware for some time. So it's a big moment for the brand um, to go swoosh only or swish only as I yeah. coined. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's great. You know, I, I, we, we aspire, you know, I, I'm an attorney by trade. And so uh, it, it's not, it, you just made a cringy face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not often that we get to talk about sort of deeply nuanced legal advice on the show. Uh, and I didn't actually know that was coming, but it made me really excited because it's the type of advice that we give on a regular basis. Um, yeah. Maybe not quite, uh, you know, point to point, but that that's exciting to me to hear that five story burn off and uh, or five year burn off. I, I, I like that sort of stuff. So thank you for that. Thank it's you. a beautiful it's a beautiful watch. We're honored uh, that you would spend your time with us to talk about it. Um, and I can't wait to see it and meet you in person with that. Likewise. With that. With the what, sorry? Well, with that, I think we're going to transition to other things. 
I'm I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna for just a moment put you on hold because I'm excited about Andrew's other thing. You don't even know what it is. Andrew, other things. What do you got? I, I have I have one last thing. We never as much as we talked about this watch, we never talked about this watch. This is a no bullshit pro spec vintage inspired 1950s modern dive watch that has all of the elegance and all of the gadget that you could ever want. Yeah. This this is the most elegant watch that you guys have put out. It's beautiful. But it's also a banger. This is a all day, every day, throw it on your wrist and you're not going to worry about it. Watch. Uh, so a, a banger for us is like a dope track, but I think a banger for Mike is a, like a hot dog. So yeah. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Get context it. is important. Um, <laughs> it's I mean, a hot dog. Hot dogs are all day, every day, too. So, I mean, there's something there. Uh, but this is... I, I'm I'm so excited to see one in the metal. I'm very jealous of you to get to see one on Saturday. Saturday. Uh yeah. Friday perhaps. Friday perhaps. On maybe Friday. 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 This Friday perhaps. Yeah. yeah. I am um, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm jealous. Uh this this thing, you gotta check it out right now. Check it out right now. Because it's dope. I think I have a feeling it's gonna be on your Instagrams. Okay, for the love of God, yeah, now, I have Andrew, another thing. other things, um, what do you got? So I just <laughs> spent my first winter with a pellet stove. Yeah, you did. And I tried several varieties of wood pellets. <laughs> I don't understand why that's funny. Let's keep it going, man. It's the thing we do. We <laughs> test things to see if we like them or if they're effective. Um and I, I don't know, I tried four or five different varieties. I burned a couple bags through them. And for, for reference, for some reason, uh, wood pellet stove pellets come in 40-pound bags in the U.S. Mm. I don't know what they do elsewhere. <laughs> um, I would imagine a comparable amount. Uh, but I burned a couple bags of each to just test to see their their efficiency, like how how many pounds per hour I could burn, the amount of heat that they'd put out, the cleanliness of the burn, mm-hmm. and the my winner is the generic brand Coastal Premium Pellet Fuel, like from Coastal Farm from and- Coastal Farm and Ranch, the generic burn. So I burned ton and some change 2,000 pounds and some change of wood pellets this year the only pellets that I didn't have to clean my fire pot out after every 40 pound burn were the coastal it was they, they burn super clean I get hours per pound out of the coastal everyone else i tried it i'm having to clean out my burn pot i'm having to like actually stop my fire to clean out my burn pot i'm getting smoke billows out of it it like i just i don't know if they were wet i don't know if i was storing them improperly the 
they were all being stored in the same place. But my coastal premium pellet fuel, six forty nine. They were not six forty nine a bag when I bought the ton of them. Um, they were less. But this was it. If so, if you're in an area where you can buy coastal farm and ranch pellet fuel, and you have a pellet stove. Do this it. is the one. Yeah, that was. This is like some Jim Collins type empirical. <laughs> this is a re- year you need to write a, a wire cutter. This article. is <laughs> probably seven. So a, a ton and a half. So seventy ba- seventy bags of pellets through my stove. It's the cheap stuff from Coastal. The cheap stuff from Coastal. That's the one. <laughs> they burn hot. They burn clean. Everything else like throws smoke out. I have to like. The burn pot looks like a little like a like a barbecue grill, but there's only like nine slots. And mm-hmm. every other pellets that I used, I'd have to clean out the pot, like scrape it out with a with a wire brush, so it'd keep burning clean. It'd billow smoke out. It'd spark. It would. Mm-hmm. This this was the one. And while you're there, you can pick up a new horse blanket and, and some pruners. <laughs> some pruners <laughs> and also some chicks and a guinea pig. I was gonna say, and, and baby chicks, yeah, they had no they had, chicks. They, yeah, like you can pick up chicks too. Yeah, uh, they did have baby chicks last time I was there, they which were, is always the most exciting. They were there. Today. I went to a coastal farm ranch for a commercial burglary uh, about a month or so ago, and I'm there investigating a crime. The guy's gone, right? He stole his stuff and he left. And one of my partners was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm looking at the rabbits. What do you want? <laughs> like, and I was just standing over the little rabbit tub and they're all like sleeping and hanging out. And I was like, while working, playing with rabbits. <laughs> Mike France, I know you oh. got something good. Other well, things, what do you got? How do you compete with wood pellets? Um, <laughs> you know, it's a tall order. <laughs> I, I know I'm traveling through um, Nerd Central when the, there's a five-minute section on wood pellets uh, in the podcast. Um, <laughs> my other thing is uh, is not wood pellets. Um, I'm not I'm not sure it's another thing really, but it's a poem. Um, I'm I'm not going to read all of it, um, but it's a poem by W. H. Auden. Um, Auden, uh, famously uh, Anglo-American. Um, Born in, born in this country, moved over to the States, I think in the early 50s. A poet I've um, come to relatively late in life. I've always been aware of him, always known, like most people, some of his poems, Funeral Blues, um, famously in them, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Uh, most people are familiar with that. But I've, uh, I've, I've been reading him a lot recently. I bought um, his collected poems on the advice of a friend. And um, <clears throat> we're in... Um, a period that um, the sardonic Chinese proverb, um, may you live in interested times, could have been uh, coined <laughs> for, it seems to me. Um, and um, those interesting times um, currently have resulted in, uh, in, in the war in Ukraine. And uh, just to bring the, <laughs> the mood mm-hmm. down. <laughs> um, and um I should say, I should uh, to make a quick reference to two weeks ago, we launched um, uh, a watch called the C63 Ukraine, mm-hmm. um, which um, is a 300-piece limited edition, which sold out in days. Um, our suppliers all made huge contributions to the cost, and all of the profits are going to the International Red Cross for their efforts in Ukraine. And we've already sent more than £100,000 to them 
um, on the back of the sales of that watch, and uh, that's Probably. a testament. Well, no, it's not. It's a testament to the the generosity of our customers and uh, our suppliers. So, um, will there be uh, any subsequent releases of that, or was that a one run only opportunity? It was. It was. It was a one yeah. one run only. Um, there's a huge waiting list now, right? Um, so some some no doubt will cancel. So if anybody listening uh, would like to acquire one, can't guarantee it now because we've uh, you know, but we are we've got a, a waiting list that's being uh, assembled. So um, uh, and interesting, interestingly, to, I'm sorry, this is another sort of aside, but one of our customers wrote to me at the weekend. Um, he's um, he's somebody I've known for a while actually. And he became a customer ultimately only about 18 months ago and he's now he now owns about half a dozen of our watches including the c60 concept which i'm currently wearing which we launched last year but uh, he and his family are bringing over um three people uh, a family a ukrainian family a mother a daughter and uh, the son uh, to live with them um, as part of the refugee program and he had seen that we um we had uh, we had the ukraine watch but contacted um, contacted um, us after they sold out. I promised him we'll get him on whatever happened because he mm-hmm. wants to buy one. But this young man who's currently seventeen in a month's time he turns eighteen, um, and he wants to. Uh, Mark Wallace is our customer's name. Mark wants to buy the young man a a C sixty three Ukraine for his birthday. So that's uh, that was a very proud um, proud moment to think that. Um, that C63 Ukraine will end up on the um, on the wrist of a, a young Ukrainian who's now acting. I think his father has been killed or is in the army at least, um, and um, he's now the man of the house at 18 and having to live over here. And it's that it's I'm afraid the it's the not afraid but it's the Ukraine war that led me to think about uh, this poem mm-hmm. by W. H. Auden, which is called rather tragically in some ways there will be no peace. Um, which is written largely about himself. He was, um, at the time he wrote this back in 1956, uh, he was professor of poetry at Oxford, having become a naturalised American. And there was a lot of bullying that was going on. People didn't like the fact that he'd become an American uh, and they were bullying him. And uh, he wrote this poem about himself and that period in his life when people, the press, critics, friends even, former friends were were criticising him for his actions. Um, um, but it, as with all Auden poetry, um, there, it can be seen on many different levels. And it, when rereading this, it struck me that it could be seen on the level of uh, the Ukraine war. And it is called There Will Be No Peace. I'd recommend his collected poems to anybody who's interested in poetry. And if you're not, you should be. Um, but the last stanza, which I'll read to you now, I think is particularly prescient. And it's, uh, it reads... There will be no peace. Fight back then with such courage as you have and every unchivalrous dodge you know of. Clear in your conscience in this, their cause, if they had one, is nothing to them now. They hate for hate's sake. I think that's a very sobering thought for uh, the times we live in. Yeah, that you know that's that's beautiful, and I I really appreciate you sharing it with us. I, I don't think uh, I, I don't think at this point uh, 
there's any sort of doubt that the things that are happening in Ukraine are tragic. And when we, when we think about, you know, what the motivations are, hate for hate's sake is such a, a, a simple way to say it. So, yeah. That's yeah. Good. And, you know, there's lots of good stuff going on in the world. Um, we talked about a lot of it uh, during this conversation, but we should never remember or forget. We should never forget some of the stuff that um, some of the human race is having to go through right mm -hmm. now as we sit here. Yeah. You know, I've prepped another thing. Uh, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna save it for next week, though, because I'd like to sort of end it on that note. Uh, it's a little bit heavy, but I, I think it's generally optimistic. And so I think I'd like to just stop it there. Are you okay with that, Andrew? Yeah. M Mike, once again, thank you so much for coming and joining us. We we were both really honored that you you reached out to us to do this. Uh, it, it it makes us feel good. And, uh, uh, makes us feel like we're doing something right. So really, thank you so much. Aquitaine is absolutely stunning. Terrific watch. Can't wait to see it in person. Congratulations. Uh, I, I hope the release is everything you guys hope it was. Andrew, anything you want to add? I'm a lot of things. Mike, anything you want to add before we go for the day? No, thank you, guys. It's uh, it's it's my honor, not yours. And um, I really do appreciate uh, everything you do uh, and the comments you've made about the Aquitaine will have a uh, will really resonate amongst the team it matters because as i said earlier when we were talking before the show i do think you guys have a much more intelligent approach to the world of watches than many and you should be congratulated for that thank you thanks mike we we certainly appreciate that and i think that's it we've done it thanks we for coming back my pleasure my real pleasure hey thanks you guys for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20 of the watch clicker podcast uh don't forget to check us out watchclicker.com that's where we have every single episode of this podcast weekly almost daily now reviews of uh watches and and just general ideas uh, about watch culture in general all, all the stuff that you heard today uh you can check christopher ward out christopherward.com that's where you're going to be able to find the brand new aquatane release if you want to support what we're doing here, you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. That's how we pay for hosting and how we afford expensive guests like Mike France. <laughs> and don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. <laughs>